hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Miss Congeniality. I am so happy you're here. It is quite, it is quite sad out today in New York. It's raining. I'm recording this from my office. Something that is yet to be accomplished. I have not recorded from my office yet. I do have a Yeti microphone that I use when I can't get into the studio. And today I was like, okay, I have a guest, so I'm not going to record the episode uh, fully on my mic, obviously, because she can't fit in this office. So we went to the studio for that, but the intro needs to be recorded on the mic. So now we're here, now we're doing it. I hope that you guys are feeling good. You've had a good week. I'm really liking this Friday sort of release for the podcast every week. I feel like it feels supernatural. Sorry if you just heard that. I was recording a piece of TikTok for my vlog this week. I have been practically living in my office, which should come as no surprise considering I'm trying to do like one whole ass chapter of this book a week. And going on with the writing theme that I feel like I'm possessing right now, my guest this week is Haley Jacobson. She is a New York-based writer, an incredible writer, might I add. Um, all of her work kind of surrounds mental health, wellness, uh, her own queerness, queerness in general, sex, trauma, bodies, femininity, identity. She's a really, really, really good poet and writer. She got her start like writing on Instagram, which is incredible, and it's so crazy how social media can jump you into, you know, such a wide world because now she has her debut novel called old enough coming out from an imprint of penguin random house which is insane and we get into the whole thing but she really is such a wealth of knowledge and even if you're not a writer in this episode we talk about sexuality and sex and dating and all the good stuff and i feel like you can apply a lot of her advice to whatever field that you're in it doesn't just have to be writing it could be really anything and anything creative But since we have a writing theme episode today with my guest, who is a wonderful writer and Gemini, I figured that I would actually answer some questions about writing before we get into that, because I don't want to personally dedicate a whole essay to writing, a whole essay, oh my god, my brain, a whole episode to writing right now. I think because I'm in the process of writing something really major, I just like can't get my head to like go there. But I do want to talk about writing for a brief bit of time before I get into the interview today. And so I asked you guys what kind of stuff you want to know, and I'm just going to go through it. But first of all, a bit about my writing background. I have always really been a writer since I can remember. I was writing books in my journals when I was like seven years old. I was always like creating things, and I think that the way that that most tangibly manifested for me in high school was pursuing theater specifically because writing... I don't know, there wasn't an outlet for it when I was young. Like, I was writing a lot in my, like, English classes, and my teachers were, like, putting caps on my writer's notebooks because of how many stories I would come back with a day and how often I wanted to share out loud. But there was no, like, middle school club for writing. So I always just, like, loved English class. I was fascinated by it. I always wanted to write a book when I was a kid. Um, That was always, like, reading and writing were, like, my top two favorite things to do. But the way that that most tangibly manifested was in the theater because it was similarly creating something just in a different uh, medium and so I ended up doing theater falling in love with it and I kind of let writing take the back burner I was always doing it so throughout middle school and high school like if you go into like my documents on my old computers there's like thousands of stories thousands of poems then I ended up becoming the yearbook editor-in-chief which was a really good way for me to like kind of put like my editing and like copywriting skills to the test and like see what that was like and if I enjoyed that which I really did and as I neared my senior year of high school I realized I sort of didn't want to study theater anymore. I wanted to study theater as it related to writing, and that's how I discovered playwriting. 
fell in love with playwriting in college and then I started taking creative writing classes, joined the newspaper, I wrote for her campus, I wrote for the Black Sheep Online, I wrote for, uh, I had an unpaid internship with this online publication called New York Minute Magazine, like I really took any opportunity I possibly could to write anything. And then when I was a sophomore I started applying for the Hopwood Awards, which is the biggest undergraduate and graduate writing awards in the country. And the way it works is it's for Michigan students and grad students and all of the submissions are anonymous and they hire a bunch of judges and they read through the submissions and then they come back internally. So it's a bunch of judges like international and then the submissions come back internally and they award each uh, subcategory. So there's like fiction, nonfiction, you name it, they have it. I submitted just like kind of shot in the dark and I won the Hopwood Underclassman Fiction Award and I won a special memorial award for a poem and I made a lot of money like because the awards they're uh, monetary so I was kind of like oh my god this is like a real thing like someone out there thinks I can write like completely anonymously so after that I kind of got a boost of confidence and started posting a lot of my own writing on social media to no real audience just like in general I just loved doing it and I was doing it a lot and I kind of took a step back and wished that I had maybe majored in creative writing just because it was something I was so passionate about but at the end of the day I'm very happy I didn't because I loved my theater background but lo and behold I made it a massive massive effort to apply for more writing awards um the Hopwoods and I won one for creative nonfiction, and then I won one for one of my plays so I ended up walking away with four of those And when I was a senior in college, I decided I wanted to get my MFA in creative writing. I got into NYU for that, but it was really expensive and the loan options were not as good as the loan options for Columbia's J School. And that's kind of what it came down to. So I decided to go to J School over getting my MFA. And I was also like, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for an MFA right now. Whereas like I think a hefty journalism background could be good because though I really wanted to pursue creative writing I didn't know how to and I kind of like tabled that dream but it was always in the back of my mind like my whole life I always said my number one goal is to be an author that's all I want but I figured if I got my start in journalism and I could make money for myself and I was paying my own rent I could side hustle write creatively on the side and then eventually start pitching that out tangibly in my brain that's sort of what made sense but obviously the world worked in mysterious ways and other things happened but if you don't know my own journey to getting a book deal I essentially and it's very different between fiction and creative nonfiction. so we spoke about it um, in the episode a little bit but when I was approached by my agents they like reached out to me and gave me this lovely email saying they had been following me and noticed that I had said continually that my biggest dream in life was to write a book they said that they had read a bunch of my Substack and they really liked what I was doing. Substack is just a free platform where you can make your own blog. I really recommend it if you're a burgeoning writer, it's great. And so I took a meeting with them and signed with them. Um, in my first meeting, they asked me if I wanted to do creative nonfiction, like personal essay memoir or fiction, and I decided on creative nonfiction. Creative nonfiction is definitely my strong suit. Fiction is always what I've wanted to do, but I don't think I'm ready to write fiction yet. I just think it would be a bit of an undertaking that I'm not prepared for at this time which is great. We love self-awareness. And so I said, I will work with you guys. Let's do creative nonfiction for my first book. It just felt right. I like to go with my gut. And so we put together a proposal. It was 80 pages, um, three completed chapters, an outline of every single chapter that I didn't write, all the marketing materials for how we'll sell the book, my bio, who I am, all that good stuff. And we pitched it out to publishers and they got back to us and we took meetings with them. And after the meetings, the publishers offered on the book so they said yes we want to buy this book 
there was a couple of them that offered, so it went into auction, meaning they each had to give a monetary value for an advance. And then I got to choose out of those options. And I actually ended up choosing HarperCollins, who won the auction, but I did not choose them because they had offered the most money. I chose them because they were my favorite. So when they offered the most money, I was super excited. I was like, this is definitely meant to be. And so I went with them. I'm very, very, very excited. And now we're writing a book. So the process is quite different for fiction. You need to have a completed manuscript by the time you go ahead and pitch um, out. And it can be different for different people. Like I'm sure that if I, because of the nature of how they approached me, if I decided to go the fiction route, I still would have signed with my agents before having a completed manuscript, but they would have guided me in writing the full book before we took it to publishers. And Haley gets into all of that because her book is fiction, which is so exciting. But I wanted to answer some of your questions that you guys left me before we get into the interview. Um, but there's just, you know, there's the background. So you guys want to know how to like force yourself to get things done and how to force yourself to write. I've never been good at forcing myself to write. Haley and I talk about this in the episode, but for me, it's sort of like an itch that I need to scratch. Sometimes something will just come over me and I'll start writing in my phone notes. Sometimes I have to sit down and think about it a bit, but the thing that makes me write the most is deadlines and goals. So it's really helpful that my editor has given me deadlines because I like have to make them. Like I have to sit down and write like this is my full-time gig. However, if my editor wasn't giving me those deadlines, I would give them to myself. I would make a calendar and I would make it really serious and I would just like, I would hold myself accountable. And if I couldn't hold myself accountable, I would enlist somebody else to help me be held accountable. I know sometimes it can be super tough because of things like writer's block and whatnot. For me, the best way to combat writer's block is definitely through reading. When I feel like I don't know what to write, I just read. They say that they typically say that you need to read more than you write to be a good writer and I think that's true of anything like I think if you want to be an actor you have to watch as much theater as you actually do it's like really it's very very important life lesson so whenever I have writer's block I always do um kind of burrow into myself for a bit and just read and sort of reflect um so you guys want to know how to figure out what to write about I think you have to let it come to you um I think I think that inspiration comes from many different things for me the best lesson I ever learned was in a playwriting class my professor told me when I'm walking down the street not to listen to music not to listen to podcasts but to listen to the world around you and to observe because that's how you're going to figure out how to write characters that have realistic dialogue and I think that's true of all kinds of writing like when you're in a coffee shop just like watching the barista's hands and watching the way that people are interacting with one another and watching the way that you know one person is speaking to another person it can really help to inform what you want to write about or how you want to write things in general I also really recommend like guided journals I have the Werner journal I have the 52 lists project both of them are great they really help me to get inspired because they just have like guided questions that might help spark something which is really good okay you guys want to know publishing by yourself versus publishing with a company um I think I did self-publish. There's a lot of different avenues to do it. And Amazon Kindle Direct, there's a ton of different ways that you can self-publish um, and, it, and it can be inexpensive. I self-published a book of poetry as it Haley, she talks about it in the interview. And I, you know, obviously at this point, I, I prefer publishing with a company because I have a tremendous backing and I'm getting paid and I'm gonna have an amazing marketing team behind me and a publicist, so that's obviously a huge perk, but there's no world in which you can't just like self-publish and do it yourself, like that's entirely possible, especially if you already have a following or a way to market your materials. 
So I think it really depends on where you're at in your life and where you're at in your career. Like, if you feel like you're not going to be able to publish with a company at this time, but you really want to publish a book, go for it and self-publish. I self-published. I would do it again. You know, it was a really good experience for me, and it made me really feel really proud of myself. And when I reflect on how much I've always wanted to be an author, I think about the fact that I was self-publishing because I really wanted... I wanted to be an author. I wanted I wanted so badly to know what that was like. And now that I've come as far as I've come, it's a really happy thing for me to reflect on. So I 100% self-publishing, do it. It's amazing. I used Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing Program and you can actually make a good deal of money from it as well if you market your book well and you sell it out. It's It can be like really lucrative. Going along with that, if you're going to self-publish, you'll probably have to market it on social media and you guys want to know how to start advertising your writing on social media without feeling embarrassed or judged about it. To me, it's like if somebody, if you're going to be vulnerable and brave enough to share your writing online or you just really like your writing and you want to share it online and somebody's going to be judgy or make you feel bad about it, that's just not someone you want in their life, in your life, like block them. Like there's no world to me in which someone would approach you to your face and be like your writing sucks if they're talking about you behind your back good all press is good press they could talk to someone about you behind your back and that person could go look at your writing and say wow she's a really good writer and then follow you and then share your writing out and her dad could be a publisher at penguin you don't know you never know what's going to happen all press is good press anyone that makes you feel bad that's a fan that's fan behavior like why are you wasting your precious energy in this day to talk shit about me and make me feel bad about something i produced also creative pursuits are really subjective i think it's really hard to say something is bad or good like as long as you like it and it makes sense to you i don't really see why why anybody else can say anything about it um that's just how i feel i think that like for me the way that i was sharing my writing on social media helped establish me as somebody who wanted to be an author who wanted to write you know everyone always knew me as someone who was writing poetry who was writing short stories who was sharing that out online And I was doing it when I had a thousand followers on Instagram because I knew that no matter what, this is the person that I am. This is something I'm proud of. And this is who I want to be known as. And so I just like went for it. And yeah, people unfollowed me probably because they don't want to read my writing and that's fine. We don't need them. They're not going to be one of the ones buying the book. And that's great. But like, I don't know. I look back on all those poems and short stories and all of that work. And I think it was all stepping stones in the direction of where I am today. Even if back then I wasn't feeling like I was reaping any benefit and I felt like I was doing it for no one but myself. I was flexing a muscle that needed to get stronger in order for me to get where I am today. You guys also want to know how to get good at writing. You got to write. You got to keep writing. You have to have other people read your writing. You have to go into workshop settings and let people destroy your writing. I think the times I've grown as a writer the most are when my writing has been on the chopping block and gotten chopped up. You know, I personally love workshops because I love being criticized because it only makes me a better writer. Whenever I'm feeling stuck in my writing process, I'm like, I'm going to take a class so this can get torn to shreds because I need it to. It doesn't make me feel bad because it's nobody saying I'm a bad writer. It's people saying we're going to make you a better writer. And I always try to reframe it like that because I used to go into workshops so hot shot attitude when I was like in high school and early college because I knew that I was a pretty good writer and it was humbling and also the best experience in my life to have my writing destroyed because I was like oh my god I'm going to become so much better in light of this experience so that is definitely my recommendation okay how much does my agent and publisher dictate what I write about really not much at all um I wrote everything like myself and then they give me notes and like I guess an example would be for my first chapter my my editor was like I want a couple more descriptive pieces of like description and these parts but she overall thought it was really great so I don't really get that much like 
pushback from them if that makes any sense and when we do communicate about what I'm writing about it's always a really really healthy wonderful conversation so where I'm at now I'm writing a chapter a week and so I'm on the second chapter I have to finish it today because I'm going out of town for the weekend for UT graduation by the time you guys are listening to this I'll be there so I need to finish this chapter today so I'm doing a chapter a week and then she sends me edits back which is great I meet with her once a week and my agents I like chat with every now and then but I don't really need to talk to them anymore because they've done their job and then once the book is done they're gonna have more jobs to do but for now we're kind of just vibing me and my editor Jacqueline who I love um some of the biggest challenges though are definitely like self-accountability I'm lucky that I have a team behind me to like keep me accountable but like keeping myself creative and sharpen on my toes has definitely been a challenge that I didn't really anticipate but I'm happy to embrace I really like challenges especially in creative pursuits I think they make us more creative I think they make us stronger um so I'm overcoming it and trying to think of ways that I can just stay sharp because I want this to be the best it can be and there's definitely a lot of pressure in my own mind from myself and I like to put a little pressure on myself I like to kind of hit the gas a little but also I want to remember that like this is a really happy and lucky time for me and it's not just about putting so much pressure on myself but I also want to remind you guys kind of something to leave you with is that anyone can write and I think that that's really special so even if you don't want to do it professionally or you're not interested in doing it professionally or you don't think you're good enough like getting things out on a page is so tremendously therapeutic for so many people maybe you really don't like it and that's okay I get it I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum if they don't yuck mine but I think it can really really help you to sort out emotions and and feel how you're feeling i'll leave you with this i think that you guys should do this little practice do this little journal journal out what you think to be the most amazing version of your life the most wonderful version of your life everything in your wildest dreams comes true what does that look like be specific and then when you're done read it over and ask yourself what you would have to change today to make that happen in five years or one year or ten years or what have you let's get started there and if you have any writing questions just ask me and if i have time i'll read your writing i I think I'm going to look into some classes to help me keep myself on my toes and I will let you guys know what those are as they come up, but I'm excited for the episode today. Haley is older and wiser than I am and she's really not much older, only a few years, but she's been doing this for longer. She's been committed to it for longer and she also has a full book finished and completed that's coming out and has been through the process. So I think she's better to guide you guys in terms of writing because she's also guiding me. I really see her as sort of a mentor and also just like a wonderful human being. I hope you are going to follow her on all the platforms. She lets you know where to find her and I just want to get into this episode because I think that she just has so much incredible insight about writing and the world that I do not and I learned so much from her and I know you guys are going to as well but I love you I'm sending you a huge hug if you are having a bad day I hope it got a little bit better and if you need something you can always dm me I love you so much have a wonderful weekend if you're graduating congratulations if you have prom have fun I don't know what your prerogative is but I will see you next week love you guys okay hi i'm so excited to be sitting across the table from you like it's actually crazy i definitely explained this in the intro but you are like this writer pixie dream like i can't even describe like when i started following you on instagram and started reading your words i was like I need to fucking know this person like immediately like yesterday I, I I'm obsessed and I'm so glad you're here and like so grateful that you wanted to talk to oh, me about so all the excited. things how are you I'm so good I've been looking forward to this I, like me this, too I just I love to chat I can't yeah, wait to no, gossip I literally love to gossip there's nothing like some gossip so 
to get get us started, I want to know like your whole background because okay. I frankly don't know it. Like I know where did you grow up? What did you do for school? Did you always want to be a writer? Were you always writing? Like what's yeah? Who are you? <laughs> okay, I'll jump into it. I think you're gonna love this because I haven't told you yet. But um, so I'm from Westchester, which is like an hour yeah. outside of the city. Um. I'm an only child, which means I spent a lot of time alone, which means I spent a lot of time reading. And I think my love for reading, I definitely come from like a very literary family. Like my family is the kind of family where like when we have birthday parties, we have like a sign up list for speeches. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of them are poems. <laughs> and they're, they're very good. <laughs> like yeah. very good. So like there's a deep love It's like a poetry writing. slam at the birthday. Absolutely. And like the first time I think like I brought a boyfriend to a party, he was like, what is this? He's like this is not. Friend. And I was like, oh, not everybody does. Your family doesn't do this. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> so um, I think, yeah. So like. I think from the beginning, it's like always just been like writing is something to absolutely cherish. And like, it's how my family connects. It's how we tell each other we love each other. Like my parents send like essays for texts. Yeah. Like it's just very much our love language. So I think that was instilled in me super young. And then um, I started doing theater when I was oh, in high school. We love it. <laughs> um, mostly because my mom wanted me to have nicer friends. Yeah. That was the reason. The drama um, club is the place to do that. Oh, my God. The best people. It really the is. The best, sweetest, most loving people. Um, and I was definitely getting caught up with the wrong people in high school. So I did this, like, dinky little community theater outside of school, and I loved it. And it was, like, the only place I felt like myself. Yeah. And then what started out as a hobby was just something that like the people around me were like, oh, you should do this. Like yeah. you should go to school for this. So I was like, oh, okay. Didn't really think that was an option. And then I auditioned for two schools, Emerson and BU, and I got into BU and then I went to BU for oh theater. God. And what ended up happening is like, I went in very gung ho of like, I'm going to be an actor. Like, this is my life. Like I'm an actor. And my mom was always like, don't forget that you love to write. And I was yeah. like, mom, it's, I, it, this is not what I am. Like, I want to act. Yeah. I want to be a star. And then I fell in love with playwriting, like absolutely just head over heels, basically double majored in playwriting and acting, fell in love with producing, got out of school and was like, I never want to act again. I have absolutely no interest in this. Yeah. And I just wrote. I just started writing and I wrote like a little bit of everything and, um, you know, started putting it on the internet and was made fun of a lot. And then um, a lot of people who don't actually know me started following me and loving my writing. And it just like made me feel so seen and affirmed and just like that this is it. This is like all I've ever wanted and yeah. all I'm ever going to do, um, which is not to say I don't have other interests and passions, but like for me, writing is like breathing and it's just like, I don't know. It's like the thing that gets me going. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I think that there's such an interesting like crossroads between the theatrical world and like, the literary world. Because I know. My story is like basically the same. Like yeah. I was telling my parents like, I'm not going to college if it's not for theater, which yeah. is like the most privileged and asshole <laughs> thing for a 17 year old could ever say. But I was like, I just I'm not interested in anything yeah. else. My parents were like, but you're so good at writing. And I had this thing in my brain that's something that came easy to me. Like what yes. you just said, like something yes. that felt 
like as easy as taking a deep breath. Yes. To me, what didn't make sense to pursue for whatever Absolutely. reason. I was just like this stubborn kid. And I was always such an overachiever. So I was like, I'm going to go for theater, fell in love with playwriting, fell in love with producing. But when I left school, I was like, I'm literally never, like, I'm never yeah. going to produce Not anything. Touching I don't want to do Not it. And I love playwriting, but it's like, how the fuck do you write? <laughs> how do you write? And then like, where do you put yeah. it? It's so yeah. hard. So I was like, I, do, I just don't know. But I, it's so interesting, like the connection between those two worlds. Absolutely. And I think that like, what I love so much about theater is like the community more than anything else. And I think that writing is such an isolating thing to do, or at least it can be. But like my love of theater taught me that actually like I don't need to do things in a bubble. And that's why I'm someone who like I always will take classes and I love writing with other people. And like um, I just, yeah, it's just so passionate about that. And I never like I never really identified as like a theater kid. I just like really, really was like kind of lonely. And I just yeah. fell in love with this magical thing of like, you can go into a room and create like something out of nothing. Yeah. Um, and I actually, uh, up until the pandemic, I ran my own theater company for five no years. Way. Yeah. So, and I wrote for that as well. And it was just like a blast, but it was very hard and it was a nonprofit and it just, it took up so much of my energy, which I realized in the pandemic. And that's when I was like, oh, what can I do with all of this energy? And I finally sat down and wrote my novel. Oh, my God. So that was like a big shifting point yeah. for me. So before I ask you like the millions of questions I have, can we go through your writing journey? Like, yeah, I know everybody wants to know, like, how did you get a book deal? What did that yeah. look like? Okay, did you yeah. write the book for like? Tell me everything. Tell me about the book as much as you can tell us. Oh, I would love to. Okay, so something that – so it's been really interesting watching your journey and reading about, like, how you got a book deal because nonfiction is so different than yeah. fiction. So with a fiction book, you have to have the entire manuscript, and it has to be extremely polished, like, done, done, done. Like, they say you should be able to go no further with, like – on your own. Like you have to be at the place where you're just like, fuck, I am done. Done. Yeah. And I need help. Yeah. So I wrote my novel in about nine months. I took a, I'm a, I love classes. I use, I go to classes at Catapult School, which is a writing school here in New York City, but now they're all virtual because of the pandemic, which is amazing. Took a year long novel generator class where I just wrote my entire book. Um, the majority of us wrote our entire books, not everybody, but um, I was just very focused. And I, so, you know, like a big part of my journey is just that I'm a very scrappy, do-it-myself person. I always have been. I definitely have like kind of a wound that like no one's going to help me. I have to help myself yeah. and no one's going to choose me. I have to choose myself, which is very good and has gotten me very far. But then I realized that I had done like a lot of favors for other people and used my connections for other people. And I, and I knew that I always wanted to like cash out on like the big favor. And I knew that that would be getting a book deal. Yeah. And which is not to say that I like, I actually didn't use any of my connections to do that. I just took on this like mindset. And after like a lot of manifesting, I was like, I am, I am not going to go through the query process, which is, you know, the process of basically writing a cover letter for your book. And with a novel, you send like your manuscript and hope that they'll read the first 50 pages. And I was like gearing up to do that, but I was just like, Haley, you know, so many people at this point, like you've put in so much work, you've helped so many other people just ask for help. Just like 
Yeah. I don't know how it's going to happen, but you just need to ask for help. And my survival job for the past five years has been being like a portrait photographer, actually specializing in taking nudes of people. Holy shit. Can you take mine? (laughs) I would love to. Um, Not for hire anymore. Please don't follow my Instagram account for photos, Um, but I will do it for you. Um, And... I just wasn't sure if I was going to open up my business again after like things became safe again. And I, I got a text from this girl, um, Hannah, and I realized I had done a shoot with her like three years prior. And I was like, how does she have my number? Like I didn't give people my number, but I guess when I was starting, I did. Yeah. Um, and she was like, Hey, I really need headshots. I was like, okay, I guess I'll open up my business. And she came over. She was my first client back and she was really late. And I was like, don't, something in me was just like, don't be pissed at her. Like, just be so, she was very late, like an hour 15 late. And I was like, I don't know, just, just be calm, be cool. And she got there and I like got her water and was like, let's just like chill and like get your nerves, you know at a low level so that we can actually focus on shooting. And I I just said, like, you know, I I don't know anything about you. What do you do? She was like, I work in publishing. And I was like, I just wrote a book. Can you please help me? Like, it just came out like that. Like, I was just like, I just finished my novel. Please help me. And I think I said, like, I know it's really good. And she was like, okay. And so she... she said, you know, I'll read your manuscript. And if I like it, I will connect with the like young agents that I know and she read my book and she fell in love with it and she emailed it to her college friend Ayla and two weeks later I signed with Ayla and that's okay so she was your agent and Mm -hmm. then you from there so then with a fiction novel (laughs) you go through rounds of edits um I am lucky that I only had to go through three rounds of edits. I know that sounds like a lot, but with a novel, you can go through like just so many rounds of edits. But Ayla is phenomenal and she just really got to the point. And we did three rounds and then she sent my novel out on submission um, to like 30 editors. And I almost got a deal with HarperCollins, but then it fell through at the last minute because they didn't know how to market my book. (laughs) Um, I was devastated and I was like, I just didn't know how I was going to handle that rejection. And then like a month later, um, an editor from Penguin reached out, like a senior editor, and she loved my book. And so I got exciting. my book too. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. It's such a world. Okay. Yeah. I, before I like go into asking you more questions, can you tell us what it's called and yes. maybe a little synopsis? Absolutely. So my book is called Old Enough. It's a coming of age novel about a young, newly out bisexual sophomore <sighs> in college named Savannah. She's finding her chosen community. She has a huge crush on someone in her gender and sexuality studies class and everything is going great and then she gets a text from her high school best friend and the news that her friend is getting married and it sends her down this like kind of traumatic trip um, down memory lane because the wedding becomes this ticking time bomb at the end of the book because Savannah realizes that if she were to go to this wedding, then she would have to confront her abuser who sexually assaulted her when she was in college. Wow. Yeah. Oh my so God. the book is about um, kind of 
that special time in your life where you're navigating like community of origin and community of choice. And especially for queer people, chosen family is so hugely important. And so it's just that like struggle of like who, like hurtling towards the person that you're becoming, but having to integrate the person that you've been. And it's also really about femme friendship and navigating like the really sticky, um, journey of what it is to be really intertwined with another femme person yeah um and to undergo that process of untwinning from them yeah oh my god i'm so excited to read it i'm so excited for you to read it um a fiction is just i i love fiction I know. and when i first met with my agents they said if i want to do fiction they'll transfer me because they knew that i wanted to and i was like i'm not ready yeah i think you really need to be ready i just i think it was like it kind of like t- it hurt my pride, I think, to say that I wasn't ready, mm-hmm. but I'm just not. I think it's so no, much. I, to- I totally understand that. And you really, it, it has to kind of Be come. Right. And, and I mean, you know, you're at a point in your life where you're, just, you're extremely busy and it's wonderful and it's amazing. But for me, I needed my life to be quiet for yeah. me to write my book. And um, I'm really grateful that like when you know, every, I I had to close a show. Um, my theater company is called brunch theater. We had to close our show. Like we had just opened when the pandemic hit and I was like stripped of everything of like your joy. I had just nothing, couldn't do anything. And so I think honestly, it was my mom who was like, it's time. It's time. Yeah. So how do you think the pandemic informed this writing process? Because I always think to myself, like, I see myself like renting a house in Cape Cod when I'm ready to write fiction and inviting no one and like mm-hmm. locking all the doors mm-hmm. and like just sitting on the porch at six in the morning and writing all day and like not talking to anyone. And I think that would be the only way I would be able yeah. to get my brain to write fiction. Yeah. Did the pandemic help or hurt that process for you? I think that it definitely helped because I had an endless amount of time to just like be very introspective um, and just you know, this book had been marinating in me for a long time and it was really just about getting the words on the paper. But I will say it was, it was having like the parameters of that year long class that changed everything for me because accountability as a writer is huge. And, um, I just like treated it like a full-time job. Like I never, um, I just personally haven't been interested in getting an MFA just because I'm just genuinely not good at school. Yeah. Um, I just I can't do homework. I just like, yeah. I'm just very, and I'm not great with authority. And I just, yeah, yeah. so no, I was, I'm really not great yeah, with authority. So no school for me. But I was like, what if I cobbled together my own MFA? Yeah. And so like committing to that class for a year, I just told myself like, this is your job. You're in school. You're writing a book. And I just, I really like, I did make it my full-time job of just every day I had a word count I hit that word count and of course you know there were many moments where I had to take a step back and I do believe that like writing is a bodily process so you know it wasn't always about words on the page it was like really sifting through what I needed to you know hit to get all the themes of my book in and you don't you don't get all the themes that you want you realize that like you can't put it all into the first book Um, and that and just learning my process as a writer which is ever-changing but like I do feel like I um it went from being this very amorphous thing of like how the fuck do you write 300 pages to 
understanding like my personal process as a writer. So I'm so grateful that I had that time. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it was a transformative experience for me because I'm used to like instant gratification because I've been writing on Instagram for so long. Yeah. I also had to like hard re rewire my brain and my attention span. I was, yeah. that was my biggest fear. I was like, I think I may have fried all my brain cells. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can do long form writing anymore. Yeah. That's not true. <laughs> like I, I did it. <laughs> so um, I'm really glad I proved myself wrong. But I had a lot of moments of just like, is this going to be anything? I definitely had moments of doubt. And then I had a, a lot of moments of just like manifesting, picturing that moment of meeting my agent, meeting my people, meeting my team, like for so long, I just was like, I need help. I cannot do this alone yeah. anymore. And so for me, like that's what success looks like is yeah. like having a team behind you or with you growing with you. And that's why I chose like a really young and fiery agent. That's how mine is too. Um, which yeah, it's the best. It's the best. Right? My like, editor is also really young. So was mine. And you just like, you don't want someone jaded and like no. in the business for a long time. Like I, I have, you know, the utmost confidence that my book will do really well. And I wanted to meet an agent who like, we felt like we were equals and I, I wanted, you know, for this to be both of our big breaks. Yeah. And so I spent like every night before I went to bed, like just like telling myself a story before I went to sleep of meeting my agent, meeting my people and like a book tour and all the pretty yeah. dresses that I would wear. No, yeah. <laughs> Manifesting is so fucking insane. It is. And, like, it really is. I, um, the day that I got my deal in advance, I like sent into my family group chat, like a note that I'd written on my phone in 2017. It like literally makes me tear up, but it was like all the goals that I want to reach by yeah. when I'm 26. So I wrote this when I, when I like five years, cause I must've been like 18. Yeah. But I, I wanted to reach these goals by the time I was 26. And one of them was that I wanted to have a book deal yeah. and I wanted to be writing and I wanted to be writing as my full-time job. And I wanted the book deal to be like X amount advanced. I like was really specific and I wanted it to be this all female team. Yeah all um female and um you know young yes. i wanted yeah. i wanted um women people who identify as women and i wanted them to be young and, yeah. and hungry and excited because i knew that that's how i was going to be yeah. and it like it exactly came true <laughs> like yes. it exactly came true yes. and all i did was write it down and believed that future me already had that yes. you know i spent every day of my percent. life like exactly like you like in my brain at night thinking about that book tour thinking mm -hmm. about that i didn't even know what the book was going to be and yeah. like I think I forget. I think Cheryl Strayed said, um, "Your book lives already. You just have to write it." Absolutely, I believe that, and that's what I like. I teach that in my writing class all the time. Of like, it's all in there. It's like you it know, exists. it's been working. It's like it's been sitting there. It's it's it just needs to kind of yeah come out. Of, yeah. And and that's why I always say like writing is a bodily process. You you just like it's like heart. Your heart pumps the blood. The blood goes to your hand, and you get it out on the yeah. paper. Or, like your voice, if you don't have that like access with your hands. But yeah, um, yeah, totally. It's amazing. So shifting gears a little bit, did you live with your partner Carter through all of this? Yeah. And how did they like? How are they slash did they kind of like? Hand, I don't want to say handle because it's nothing to handle, but like how, what role did they play during all of this? Um, and what do they think yeah. about all of this? Like these are your dreams. Like yeah. it's really interesting to be in love with someone and then their dreams come true. It's oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I will say that Carter is 
is absolutely the most supportive person, like just my biggest champion. Um, and like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not easy. <laughs> like not an, not, I think for them I'm easy, but like to me, I think, you know, I'm very, I am very headstrong. I am extremely driven and motivated, but those like lows where you kind of, you know, you, you tap out of that energy for a second and you kind of plummet. Like those were the moments that I think I, you know, would spend time on the couch just telling Carter, like, what if this doesn't come true? Like, this is, this is it for me. This is all I want. Like, and I mean, it perks of dating a therapist, like they're very good at yeah. supporting me. Um, but, you know, we did even have some moments where, like, I was finishing up my book and Carter felt like I was a little bit distant. And I was like, you have to understand, like, this is the big one. Like, this is the yeah. big dream. Just let me do this. And we absolutely worked it out. But I think um, it was I, I felt nothing but but support. And they, like, helped me brainstorm. And I shot down a lot of ideas, which was not nice, but um, I just know I do the same thing. I know. I was like, what do you think? Like, you have to tell me, like, what to do. And then they'll say something. I'm like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. But not that. You know, no, like, I see where you're going, but absolutely not. Um, But no, just just so incredibly supportive. And, And I think, you know, Carter is the first partner that I've had that I really feel like I can be like my whole self. Like, yeah. um, and I feel like I can be really huge and like step into my sp- spotlight. Um, and it just like fills them with yeah. a huge amount of joy. And, um, so I think it was, I think it was all in all really great. And like, you know, it's going to happen again and again yeah. in our life together. So I think, just that's the blueprint and I think it'll just keep going from there I think it's like when you date somebody that like wants to or wants to be the star or kind of is for like any reason yeah you need to find somebody that like is ready to to be that to be there for that 100 percent. and that's yeah I've dated a lot of actors which was I think the biggest mistake I've ever made but um And let me tell you, that was just, just I have a no, lot. I have no room for that. Um, and so I think, and I think also like being inherently confident and driven, like just being with someone who applauds that in you and like really doesn't experience jealousy or resentment and like yeah. seeing the way it really like fills them up and makes him proud of me. Like I think. It's yeah, they're just so supportive. Like he just loves me, and it's just it. great. And I and and it. it's been amazing because Carter today's Carter's last day of grad school, and they're like officially a therapist now. It's incredible. And they went to school during the pandemic, and this is Carter's third career. So it's just like so exciting to see them step in into their moment. like moment while I I did the same thing. Yeah, I love it. So. I read all of your writing on Instagram and Thanks. anybody that doesn't should. But your writing is really looped in with gender, sexuality, yeah. some yeah. big topics. Um, yeah. You really lean into so many interesting themes. As like a queer person yourself, yeah. what has that been like? Is it freeing for you? Like, uh-huh. and is your right, do you believe that your identity is always going to be like one with what you write? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, when I first came out, I was like, I'll never write about being gay because I was like, I'm too privileged to write about being gay. This has not been a hardship or a struggle, which is just like not true. Um, and inevitably, anything I tell myself that I'm never going to do is <laughs> definitely the thing that I'm absolutely going to do. Yeah. Um, and it really has like changed my life to be like to realize that I 
embody a, a sort of like form as a queer person that a lot of um, bisexual or f- sexually fluid people really resonate with and like, you know, very publicly having a queer relationship that is healthy and happy and celebrates, you know, gender expansiveness on Carter's end and sexual fluidity on my end, like being that model for people, although sometimes a little bit um, overwhelming sometimes has been just really joyous and exciting. Um, and I think I, I definitely go through chapters of what I write about. Like I, I, w- I went through years of writing shit about my mom and like yeah. that was not great for us, but like it's hugely important for me. I just needed to get a lot of stuff out and people really resonated with that. And yeah. then I think I wrote a lot about heartbreak and I, you know, I, I do go through these chapters. And so I think right now writing about my sexuality, um, you know, like, just visibility for bisexual folks and also writing about OCD. Like those are my big themes right now. And I think, um, so yeah, I I think that my creative nonfiction, which often takes like a memoir ish style will forever be intertwined with, with my identity. I think I'll do my best writing when I'm a mother. Oh, I think like, I I think that like, I know nothing. I'll know everything when I'm a mom. Yeah. I think it's just going to be, yeah, I think wow. I, I I think I'm gonna look back and be like, bitch, like you had just absolutely no enlightenment. Everything will change when I become a mom. Yeah, I think about that a lot too, especially yeah. because some of the writers I love most are mothers. Our moms, and like God, when you like just writing about moms, moms and kids and perspective, like it's it's just yeah, yeah, gorgeous. I love it. It is so gorgeous. So in tandem with that, your writing is really vulnerable. Has that ever yeah. been, like, a struggle? Because I think, you know, I also – someone once told me, like, you know you found your voice when the people close to you hate everything, right? <laughs> and I would That's always funny. think about that. Like, you know you found your voice when you're just, like – I don't want to be like, you're not like destroying anyone, you know, personally, yeah. but like it's vulnerable shit. That's maybe yeah. about relationships yeah. that you have or like what you were just saying about writing about your mom. Was that ever hard for you or was it just inherent? Like I'm going to write about – I'm going to be vulnerable in my writing. Yeah, I think it's definitely inherent. I will say that like I definitely believe that vulnerability hang- hangovers are a thing. You know, Brene Brown's whole um, motto on on all of that. I think – I will say, though, that I, in my personal life, process things like in therapy with my partner, with my friends, with my parents, and then I write about it. I I don't think that I – the times that I've written something when I'm, like, in the thick of it in the moment, um, I think I most like I've o- and I've only done that a couple of times I end up deleting it because yeah. it's it's like it's it's too tender yeah um and I'm really proud of myself that I like I know that about yeah. myself so I would say that for me I and I talk about this a lot I can talk about trauma like so the cows come home like yeah. I could just talk about all that it's not particularly vulnerable for me, what's vulnerable for me is to be like really silly in front of people. <laughs> really? Yeah. So like that is so hard for me. Um, and, you know, I, I know why I've unpacked why. So what's vulnerable for me or what other people label as vulnerable, it doesn't it doesn't really feel that way to me. Yeah. And I and I've I've learned like that that's a special thing about me. And I think but but I'm sure, you know, 
I didn't start writing about being a survivor like until like four years after I, I named that I was a survivor with my therapist. Yeah. Another thing that I th- I said I would never write about. Big yeah. lies. Wrote a book. <laughs> wrote a book. We're, we're always lying. Yeah. <laughs> and then she writes a whole ass yeah. novel about it. Um, so I think that, yeah, that's something that I talk about. I think quite a lot of people will ask me that question, but yeah, in in when by the time that it is for your consumption, I probably am not feeling vulnerable about it anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's really great. Yeah. I love that. So, I know everyone has a different writing process, and yeah. you mentioned that yours shifted a bit. But what does your writing process look like? Is there anything that like you require to like start writing, or like is there anything that like is there any music that you listen to or a place that you like to be? Or could it kind yeah. of happen anywhere? Like, what does that look like? Um, I do really, like, I I think for me, um, I either have, like, a spontaneous moment where it's like, okay, got to drop everything and pull out my phone and just write in my iPhone notes. Or I, it's, and honestly, it's a lot like, sex of like responsive desire versus like spontaneous desire which like spontaneous desires you feel turned on you have sex or like responsive desire you have to work yourself into it and up to it and so I think for me it's either going to be one of the two and so if we're talking about the more responsive desire when it comes to writing um, I need to like set a block of time I usually go to a coffee shop where I set myself up like in a clean part of my apartment if I can find one um, and set a goal for 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 my word count and I think that that's as much of my process like that um, is consistent okay but um, I I prefer silence yeah (laughs) or coffee shop sounds yeah yeah I'm not good with silence. Really? I don't know why. Yeah, I can I can write with silence, like if I'm forced to, like yeah. I have no other choice. No, I think so many people are music people. For yeah, me, yeah. I, I mean, I can listen to like um, music without like any lyrics, okay. but that that would be that would be it. But yeah, I think like I I just need like a a, a clean space. Um, but I also I I love to write on the subway, which I you know. I actually love to ride on the love subway. Love to ride on the subway. I love to ride on any transportation, Me too. planes, Me trains, too. anything like that. Yeah, planes are great for riding. Planes are so good. It's like something else to do. I think there's like um like to have momentum of any sort, like to you know, literal momentum of the train moving, the plane flying. Yeah. It just it, it sparks it. Yeah, it really sparks yeah. it. Yeah. Trains are amazing yeah. for riding. It really, oh my they God. really are. The best. Um so I'm curious. I don't know that much about OCD myself. Oh, yeah. Let's I'm talk curious about, it. about, yeah, can you take me through that journey and yeah. how it relates to your writing or your creativity? Sure. Oh, that's an interesting Maybe question. Maybe like okay. start with the journey and then we'll- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 break down OCD. So, yeah. uh, obsessive compulsive disorder as known in society um is like the the picture that people usually get in their head are like lining three pencils up in a row perfectly or touching a doorknob three times or you know, being very concerned that you've left the stove on and needing to check repeatedly. That is um, like a phys- physical expression of OCD and that is sort of mm, that particular theme is I don't know what I mean part of that is like contamination OCD like washing your hands a lot being like really freaked out by germs like that's what people kind of expect of OCD um, I would say the majority of people have something called pure O which is um, all your compulsions are mental so those themes can be 
Mm, I would say the main ones would be like harm OCD. So the the fear that you are going to hurt your loved ones or people around you, like literally kill them or hurt them physically. Um, There's pedophilia OCD, the fear that you are a pedophile and that you will act out on being a pedophile. Um, There's health OCD, the fear that you are sick and likely will die. Um, And I have two kinds of OCD. I have relationship OCD, which is basically the fear that like my relationship will explode um and i have sexual orientation ocd which is um the idea that i'm lying to everyone about being gay um which i know that's it can sound really strange that i'm so i'm such a public advocate for sexuality talk about my sexuality all the time but the thing about ocd is that it's ego dystonic it which means that it attaches onto the things that you value most and care most about so if you love your kid so fucking much your ocd might latch on to the idea that you're gonna touch your kid yeah you're a pedophile if you you know don't want to kill your mother you might think that you're gonna grab the knife in the kitchen and stab her yeah um for sexuality OCD, it's sexual orientation OCD. I think it's a lot. It's a lot of people being fearful that they're secretly gay, um, and then it works the other way around and mixed in with like biphobia, internalized biphobia, internalized homophobia. Like I care so deeply about my sexuality. It's like the thing that, like I. I just have so much joy. I love my chosen family. Like, I love the queer community. And so because I have OCD, I have a predisposition for OCD. It is just my current theme. But I had about three years where spirituality was my theme Um, and sort of this obsessive need to know about, you know, God, if I was doing, if if I was living in the right society, if I should go live in an ashram was like a big one. Um, So these are the themes. And then your compulsions, if you have pure O, would be like, um, like Googling is like a compulsion that a lot of people have. That's what I have. So it's a big no-no. I'm not allowed to Google anymore. I'm not allowed to use Reddit. So like the compulsion to be like, how do I know if I'm actually gay? And yeah. then like you spend like 12 hours Googling and you just t- you just send yourself into a spiral and it's the most painful and horrible, debilitating thing in the world. So that is like an example. Health OCD, you might um, just constantly check like your lymph nodes or if you see a bruise, you you go and like try and figure out if like you have some sort of cancer. Um, if you have harm OCD, you want to hide all your knives in your apartment because that's, you know, the compulsion. So if you have pedophilia OCD, you're going to avoid the park at all costs or you're going to check to see if you're attracted to a child, which these are like a lot of taboo themes, which I love to talk about to normalize them because yeah. inevitably there's someone who's going to listen to this and be like, holy shit, yeah. because there's so much stigma around this and there's so much pain experiencing it. It is one of the top 10 most debilitating um, disorders in the world. Yeah. Um, and no one fucking knows because all you see on TV is people touching fucking doorknobs. Or them being like, I'm so OCD. And it's right. Like- and OCD is not an adjective. Yes. And, and, and actually, people who have that, it's like, it's another it's a completely different diagnosis and it's not a disorder you just 
you, if you like things clean, that's a quirk. That's, yeah. If if it is not debilitating, if you're not spending all of the hours in the day thinking about um, germs on your hands, like infesting your body, it's probably not OCD. Yeah. It is like the most painful, torturous thing that that I have ever experienced. Yeah. And I'm so much better now because I've been in recovery for almost two years. Um, I work with a specialist. I have an OCD group. Um, and I'm just like so proud of myself. But I will say just my darkest moments yeah. ever um, thinking that I was just going to have to, you know, leave leave everyone I loved in my life. And um, yeah, so it's pretty, pretty horrible. Yeah. Um, but if anyone's listening and they think maybe they have OCD, you're so not alone. And yeah. you can go on iocdf.org to learn a lot about OCD and get help. Get help. Um, I'm, I'm really proud of you because Thank I think you. it's like when we speak about these things out loud, it just leads more people to the water and can yeah. help so many people. Yeah, absolutely. I actually recalled as you were explaining all of that, that there is a TikToker that has harm OCD. Yeah. And I... Um, and when I say TikToker, just someone that has a large following, I once fell into their um, like rabbit hole of their content yeah. one night and I was watching it and there was a video that was quite funny that they made yeah. where they were answering a question like, why would anyone let you babysit their child if yeah. you're scared of that you're going to kill someone? And they were like, you literally just answered the question. I'm so terrified yeah. that yeah. I'm going to kill someone. Yeah. You would want to leave your children yeah, with yeah, me. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm literally terrified that I'm going. Right. Like, I, I right. don't want to. Like, I, it's not that I want to. I don't. Like, I yeah, severely yes, don't. And exactly. it, it puts so much perspective. And I was like, this is so brave and like so not necessary for them to do that, obviously. But the yeah. fact that they are is actually helping so many people. So many people. And also like normalizing it and educating. The like, guy sat there and watched all of these videos and learned so much about this thing that I had literally no idea about when I yes. opened because up the Because there's app. no education. And like, that's the thing. That's why we call it ego dystonic. It goes against your morals and values a lot yeah. of the time. And that's why it's very confusing. But the thing about OCD is there's no logic. There's no rationale. It didn't come from somewhere. It's not from your childhood trauma. An OCD brain just works in a very specific way and you have to treat it. It's You don't treat it with talk therapy. Talk therapy usually is quite harmful to people with OCD. Um, and it's just like it's it's a it's a different world that yeah. you that you live in when you have this disorder. And so understanding my brain and how it works and um and learning like all the things that I that I thought were helpful, you know, like getting reassurance or being told like, yeah, of course you're gay. Of course this like uh, doesn't help anyone with no. OCD. And so just like validating that it's really hard is the best thing that you can do with someone with OCD and just like make sure that they're getting help and they're doing their exposure therapy. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So I want to shift a bit because yeah, um, some of my followers gave some oh, yeah. questions, questions for you that I really like that are both about writing and not about writing. Great. Um, so the first one that I think is actually going to be really helpful because I'm aware that a good chunk of my following are members of the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm -hmm. A good chunk are not. Yes. This question was from somebody who isn't, and they want to know, in your opinion, how to yeah. be a better ally or how to be the best ally that they could be. Oh, great question. Um, I would say... Don't take up space in queer communities. Yeah. Um, uplift queer voices. I would say if you have questions, please don't ask queer people. Do your own education and research. There's endless amounts of free education online that you can learn all about, um, you know, 
amazing like historical queer elders and you can learn how to use language that is inclusive and helpful um and i think that like the best thing that you can do is just like celebrate and validate queer people and know that if anyone ever like includes you in their queerness or comes out to you it's a privilege and an honor um and you know queer people don't owe you shit so like just show up for them make sure that you're you know advocating for queer you know legislation that makes us feel safe and loved and seen put your pronouns in your bio like that's the basic thing you can do bare minimum minimum. um and yeah i would say like the biggest thing is just like don't take up space in queer communities um and do do you know do your self-education um and you know if you don't know any queer people i would work on that yeah (laughs) i would work work, i would work on that and um and i mean yeah just celebrate us yeah i love that um my brother's gay yeah and it came out to me um which was really special a year ago (gasps) oh kind of recent yeah so he came out to me like maybe a year and a month ago but then my mom sent me a screenshot of her calendar and she has like a rainbow on like may 17th because i suppose that must have been the day he came out to her and she has like jake's day that's Um, so sweet it gave me goosebumps yeah no it was really sweet Um, my parents are incredibly supportive but they're also just like in a generation that like i would say is more ignorant yes so i think that like any advice I could give as a sibling of somebody who's queer is just like, it's not hit their job or at all to explain anything to anyone. But if you're going to be an ally, like, and your parents need maybe resources or understanding, like give it to them, do it, do your part. Because if that person's going to open it up to the family and like when Jake opened it up to me, I knew that like part of my duty as being a good ally and also just a good sister, because he's my best friend was going to be like telling my parents, like, yeah, here's inclusive language. Like, I know you guys are like absolutely the opposite of homophobic, but here are things that are yeah, considered yeah. homophobic, like microaggressions that yeah. you don't know that you're doing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think that's really, really important. I love that. Um, and going off of that, someone wants to know your opinions on coming out versus not coming out to family, and kind of like, yeah. Oh my god, that's huge. Um, I think safety is everything, yeah. and for so many queer people, it's not safe to come out, and it will do more harm than good. Um, that's not necessarily a forever thing. Um, but for a lot of people, that is the reality. And I think that you do not have to be out to be valid as a queer person at, ever because it's not your queerness is not for other people. It's for you. And it's certainly not for straight people. Um, and so I, I think prioritizing safety is the number one. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, for people who want you know, want to be out but can't be out with their parents. I hope they find their chosen family who will protect them and honor them and celebrate them. Um, but, you know, not coming out is a totally valid choice and um, it does not negate your queerness in any capacity. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Um, okay, so this is a good one. I like this one advice that you could have told yourself when you were Mm -hmm. in your young 20s like when you were in college just getting out of college this is more general question yes yes okay um 
Wow. So many things. Oh, um, like, don't be concerned with being a private person. It's not that interesting. Just like if, if you want to be loud and share and be bossy and be confident, just do it. And all the people who um, can't handle that will fade away and the best people will come into your life. Yeah, I think that one is so good. I feel yeah. like I always say like when you decide to like fully be yourself and like you accept that, yeah. it's like you're getting on a train that's leaving the station and people are going to stay at the station, but that's fine. You don't want them yes. on the train. Yes, absolutely. Like the good people are getting on the train with you. Yes, and you don't even know who's around your corner. Yeah. And that's the most exciting thing to me in life is yeah. like you don't like the more you are aligned with yourself – the more the most like fabulous, amazing, magical people are going to just show up and absolutely adore you. Yeah. Um, friendships will fade. People will distance themselves. People will prove to be shitty. But yeah. like you don't need those people in your life. Yeah. Like, yeah. The good ones are coming. Oh they're my God, they're there. all coming. I they're all it. coming. Okay. So another piece of advice about being in your 20s, but this one more specific advice for bisexual women yes. in their 20s. Oh my God. Okay. Um, there's no perfect way to be gay. Um, b- being queer is not something that should be policed by other queer people and not all, not all queer people are nice and there are a lot of toxic queer people. So you have to find your people just like you do in life. Um, the first time that you have sex with a queer person, if it's not good sex, it just means it's not good sex. It doesn't mean that you're straight. Um, it is a nonlinear path to feeling valid. Imposter syndrome is like an essential part of being gay. I don't know a single queer person who doesn't experience imposter syndrome to some capacity. Um, you don't owe anyone proof that you're gay. Um, and, um, unfortunately the, the thing that all bisexual people deal with, and it's a package deal with our sexuality is by erasure and internalized biphobia and blatant biphobia, um, whether that be from straight people and certainly a lot of gay people. And it is a really, really difficult part of being bi. And that's why any chance that we get, we need to celebrate each other um, because we are valid and we are real. And we're not like, it's not a pit stop towards, you know, being fully gay whatever that means and um being bi is not an excuse to be mean to men <laughs> <laughs> i love all of those you yeah. had your brain like, oh my god i have so many you're like so I'm many in. i know it i love it okay so some more writing questions self-publishing versus more traditional route did yeah, you ever self-publish i did what are your thoughts how do you do it successfully or well um, yeah, self-publishing was cool. It was hard, but it was fun. Um, I self-published a book called a book of poetry called write like prayers in 2017. Um, I decided to only make 300 copies cause that's what I could afford, um, with crowdfunding. And I worked alongside, um, an illustrator who illustrated the book. Um, it was wonderful and affirming and I had a blast and it was one of those opportunities that I had to choose myself. Um, and I loved it and I think it's like absolutely valid. And I've seen on TikTok so many people self-publishing and because like we now have things like book talk and Insta book bookstagram is what they call it. Um, it's so much easier to get eyes on your yeah. 
book. So if you want to self-publish and you want to go down that route, I think it's fantastic. Um, and like, you know, that's how like Rupi Kaur started out. She self-published her first book yeah. of poetry and now she's like the most famous poet ever. Yeah. And so um, I think it's so valid, so real, so awesome. Um, but it also is hard work. Like you just, you know, you have like there's you can literally Google like um, how to self-publish a book like software and like you can do it through Amazon. There's like all these different softwares. Yeah. The one I used was particularly like for art because I made an art book. Okay. Um, so I don't know that that's necessarily that helpful. I actually don't remember the name of it, but um, it is hard. But I also want to say that if you're going the self-publishing route because you you don't feel like someone will choose you, like an agent will choose you or a publisher will choose you, I really want you to challenge that notion and query your little butt off. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I love that. Yeah. So what is like coming up the docket for you in terms of writing, life, anything? Um, what are you up to? So what I, are you working on? My favorite thing that I do currently is I teach my writing with confidence class. Um, it's just an absolute blast. It's a seven week course that I teach um, every couple of months for really anyone who is just ready to stop saying all the preambles of why they're not good enough or worthy enough or real enough or, um, you know, dedicated enough to be a writer and just kind of like cut the bullshit and jump in. Um, and like, it's a great place to meet a writing community. It's a great place to just like learn how to be a smarter, better writer. Um, so I love that. I've like, fallen really naturally into teaching and then I think the like big press push for my book will start in the next like five probably in five months um because I publishing is the slowest industry in the world at least on my end on the fiction end um and it takes a lot of time I now go through edits with my with my editor but you'll start seeing like a really big push in five months and then I'm gonna do just like a fabulous book tour and have a lot of bisexual parties yeah no i can't wait for a book tour oh my god a book so tour excited. is a dream like, the the dream it's it, it is, is the, the number dream. one dream it's crucial i know whenever i signed my contract and they were like if you do a book tour travel will be included i was like if i I'm know like, same my contracts when? are the same thing i'm like when we no, do it's it. happening i'm like it's 100 or i'm not signing this contract change it to when because it's, it's happening truly truly like, it's i just don't think of i can't think of one thing more fun than a book tour Ever in my life. It's like the ever. absolute nerdiest thing I've ever said before. Like, I can think of some more fun things. I'm like, I can't. I can't either. This is like I, everything I, to that's me. It. That's, that's it. That's it. That's number Just one. Just the idea of like sitting up there and like, for me, I imagine my best friend, Jake, um, asking me questions about my book. Yeah. I It just makes me want to cry. Yeah. Me too. I agree. Yeah. I'll be there. I can't um, wait. I'll be there for yours. <laughs> I, uh, I want to ask you, and this is a really hard question. Great. But do you have like three favorite writers and like three favorite books, like people that really inspire you, books that have really shaken oh, things up? I think so for me, it's not like a, it can't be like an all time thing um, because in like classic Gemini form, I have to change my mind all the time. Um, but currently... I would say Melissa Broder's Milk Fed is the best book I've read in a decade. Um, I love the book Crying in H Mart. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. It's just it's fantastic. Um, and my, similar to you, my all-time fave is Cheryl Strayed. 
She follows me on Instagram. Oh my gosh, she follows me on Twitter. Oh no, 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 she did, but she doesn't anymore because <laughs> I made a new Twitter. But I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get back on she, that. She, it makes me, it made me want to die when she followed me on Instagram. Oh I was like, God. I'm not posting. Like I'm actually done. Yeah. I was like, no, I can't post. The idea that Cheryl Strait could see anything that you know—it's actually disgusting. Yeah. And then Horrifying. she, um, someone asked me once what were my dream podcast guest was, and I said her, and she responded like a little angel halo emoji. I think she'll come. And I was like. Babes, like, what's going on? She'll do it. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna scream. Like, what? Literally, what's going on? Like, do you want to do it? What was she even like? What was she doing? It was like a halo. Like, she doesn't an angel. And I was oh like, fuck. God. I'm literally speaking to you. Like, this is insane. Like, every piece of her writing. Like, when someone like comes to me and like means something, like a friend, and I feel like I've exhausted my ability to like help them or like I, I share my piece but like I want to give them more I literally just look up like the rumpus dear sugar I'll just like scroll through until I find it's one so good it's so fucking I quote good her all the time it's also I think that like wild is like the most beautiful books slash movie slash everything I've ever, ever seen in my life it's amazing do you have a favorite like thing that she's written or like column or essay or like piece of advice um so uh, definitely, like, just Wild is my my favorite book of hers. I just think it's profound. Um, and I really do love mother-daughter stories, and it just guts me every time. Yeah. Um, I just – I really love her perspective on just, like, folks being human and making mistakes, but also, like, the way society um, – classifies mistakes and how she just kind of pushes against that and like explodes it this is very particular and not something that like i've experienced a ton in my life but i remember listening to one of her podcasts where someone wrote in and said you know my partner um you know has cheated on people in the past not on me how do i how do i know that he'll never cheat on me and i just loved her response because she just doesn't she just breaks through the societal mold and she's like why is the question how do i like how do i make sure that he never cheats like there's no guarantee for anything like yeah it's a it's about the relationship first what about what about all the things that come before cheating and i just what i loved so much about that is just like she has no problem breaking down stereotypes because she's just been through everything and yeah. she's been the quote-unquote bad person yeah and i just think like to have a mod like a femme model for us in the world especially because she is older it's just groundbreaking she's to me insane. i love her um there's one column where she's talking about grief and what she said like my mom lost her best friend very tragically this year and i sent it oh. to her because once like the dust settled a bit i sent it to her and there's a line about because the, the person that wrote in their son had passed and she was trying to help them through it and she said something like your son is going to be 24 forever Ugh. And yeah. she was like, but you have to look at some life sentences last 10 minutes mm. and others last 100 years. And mm. your son's lasted 24. And that's heartbreaking. Like, it fucking sucks. But you have to think about it in, like, that was his life sentence. And, like, the way that she was framing it, Ugh, like, really yeah. made me think differently about not only grief, but also just, like, how we view 
the timelines of our lives and like how of course we know nothing is ever guaranteed but like she really does write a lot about how nothing is guaranteed yeah she does and I love that I love it too she's a wonderful because it like it kind of strips fear away because I mean especially as someone with OCD which is all about control and the desire to control when you just take control out of the equation like life like the nuances of life become so much more clear and like just so much more doable like you could just live as a person without all of these you know like required things and yeah so that's I think why I love her I think also I think she's just a really unapologetic human and like I just like love women who own that they've made mistakes yeah she's everything we're gonna have to invite her to our book tours oh my god imagine she would do blurbs like no basically whenever she answered me i sent it to my agents and they were like once we like have the book we will reach out to her agents like we can't guarantee anything and i was like i would die i think she would do it because you're doing a nonfiction book yeah also she's like my like i actually think if i met her i would just like weep I would think I would sob. I don't actually know what I would do. Like, the day she followed me on Instagram, I literally posted on my story, and I was like, I'm never posting again. Like, yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed, because, like, it's over. Yeah. It's, it's done. You've done over. everything that you needed to do. Yeah. And I'm it's like, finished now. And it's fully over. Oh, the other person that responded to my Instagram story was Cecile Richards. And oh. I – so I posted something about Make Trouble, because I uh-huh. love Make Trouble. Yeah. And she responded, and I realized in that moment that I did not follow her. And I was like, See, that's fuck what my life sucks. I was like, fuck me. I was like, this is so embarrassing. But like, yeah, I know. I know. When that happens, I always am like, but that doesn't negate like how much I love you. Yeah, I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, someone asked me like, what are three books that you would read right now? And it was like in the wake of um, everything going on with Ro, like the first yeah. day. I like recommended a book by her, a book by Bell Hooks, and then one other book. And she reposted her story and was like, so insane to be in such wonderful company or something. Wow. And I was like, I'm I'm so sorry that I don't follow you. I literally followed her. I was like, shit. <laughs> but anyway. But it's like you love her offline. And yeah, that's like, exactly. isn't that huge? That's exactly. amazing. It's huge. Well, yeah. please tell us where everyone can find you because I want yes. them now to all get excited about the book because I know I am. Oh, my God. Me too. Um, read fiction in a while. Really just just my instagram at Haley jacobson that's where i where everything is contained go there um go there i mean you can follow me on tiktok it's a, a different vibe over there but i love it too um but for writing and book updates specifically instagram and i'm just a good follow you know you are you're such a good follow so are you i remember like i forget who told me Someone DM'd me. I think it's Katie. My, yeah. Katie is my – oh, my God. She'll freak that I'm even talking about her in, in the best way. She's one of my students slash she, like, is my, like, unofficial intern, and she loves you, and she tags you in everything. Wait, no, she's so cute. I <laughs> No, she's a fabulous writer. Um, she. I think I follow her. I do yeah, follow her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like – I read a lot of my DMs, at least try to. Yeah, same. And she was like, you would love Haley. And then I started reading your shit, and I was like – Fuck. I had like mm. I had such a breakthrough. I was like, this is amazing. I needed this. Like, I literally needed it. So I'm very happy to follow you. Everyone needs to follow you. And Thanks. you and I need to talk about books and writing and everything. Forever. All the time. Every day. Every day. Lives, and yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Okay. Bye guys. We'll Bye. see you next time.